Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Primate Cast. I'm your host, Andrew McIntosh, and the release date for today's podcast is Wednesday, April 22nd, 2015, which just so happens to be Earth Day. And so we're going to do something a little bit different today to celebrate Earth Day. But before I get into that, I want to welcome back to the studio and the Primate Cast our summer intern from last year, who's no longer just a summer intern, <laughs> Sophie Bernstein. Hi, it's good to be back. Where have you been for all this time? I've been in China for about seven months doing my PhD research. Oh, cool. So you're back with us for a while now. Yep. All right. Look forward to putting together more shows with you. And getting back to the special part of this podcast, we're also joined in the studio by Nina Negi. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Primate Cast. Thank you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So um, I'm half Japanese, half German. Um, I go to the German school in Yokohama here in Japan, um, and I've traveled to a lot of places and been to lots of different schools, and yes, now I'm interning here at the Primate Research Institute for 10 days. Yeah, so you're definitely the first high school student we've had on the show, and judging by the reactions of almost all the people we talk to here at PRI, one of the first high school students they've ever seen interning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with us so congratulations on surprising everybody <laughs> and um, being out there i think it's it's quite an interesting thing to do so how, how did you end up here um well i saw some documentations about the chimp experiments with um and yeah so i just checked it online and i found you and i emailed you and yes you organize everything and that's how i managed to end up here <laughs> Yeah, so it's been really cool. Um, just to give that a bit of background, yeah. Nina was so that her school in Yokohama, this German school, actually has a program um, for ten days. Students, all students, must join a company somewhere or some organization and intern with them as mm-hmm. kind of a, a work experience placement type thing. And and she just happened to choose us here, which was really interesting. <laughs> I was really ecstatic when I first uh, received the email. Said, wow, <laughs> this is a great opportunity um, to kind of help somebody out and at the same time kind of share not i mean share some of the passions that i have about the natural world about research and about animals and so to have somebody so young and so interested and motivated to get out there and do that was really cool i didn't think even think that i'd be accepted here that you did that kind of thing and we didn't so i was super surprised <laughs> <laughs> so was our office what are you talking about a high school student <laughs> <laughs> no but it turned out to be really cool mm. um so yeah, like what kind of things you want to share with us that you've been doing here at PRI over the past 10 days? Um, so each day I've been somewhere else and looked at all kinds of different things and it's I've learned lots and lots. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think of any, uh, apart from the primate cast, obviously, yes, some yes. highlights or... <laughs> just the people. The people were definitely the highlight. Um, just talking to them and kind of getting to know what they're doing. And just uh, learning that there's so many different things you can do too, that you, and jobs and and things you can focus on that I never mm-hmm. have come up with by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, a few days ago in conversations with some of the other students at your school that how how your internship is kind of comparing to the other people who are mm. who are out there, <laughs> maybe at I don't know car companies. Yeah, or... yeah, yeah. Um, I always have something to do. You always give me enough to do, which is a good thing. No, and I feel like I have a role here too, and um, which and like making this podcast too, and a proper um, project to work on. And I think they seemed pretty bored. They didn't quite know how they fit in there, 
into the company. So I was very lucky and to have a good contact person too. Well, so kind of getting back into why you're, you're here, um, you, you mentioned a bit earlier that you've been around quite a lot, but also you've been around um, circles of conservation exactly. in the past as well. Yeah. And that's part of the motivation for you coming here. So can you talk about, about that and how you kind of got interested in this? I've always been into that. I've always watched lots of um, BBC documentaries and um, I went wolf watching with my dad and bird watching. But also before I came to Japan, I actually went to Green School, which is a conservation school in Bali. And um, that kind of um, fired up that passion again too and uh, made me realize my interest, yeah. Yeah, so before, when you first mentioned to me that you'd been to the Green School, I had never heard of it before. Um, and I just Googled it immediately. And thought, what? Why have I not known about <laughs> I know, this? right? <laughs> it looks absolutely amazing. And then you yourself said that um, you were there and received a visit by Jane Goodall. Exactly, mm. yes. That was, I think, one of the highlights there, definitely. Because um, just by accident, I was doing a project, working on a project with a friend um, on the Green School Water Vortex. We're actually building a small model of it. Um, so when she came, we explained how it worked to her and we got to talk to her for a little bit, yeah, which is amazing. So what is a water vortex? <laughs> it's We generate part of the Green School energy from it. So we take some of the water from the river and put um, spin it through a turbine and then use that energy to create um, electricity. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> And you're not stopping there either. So once you're done here with PRI and you finish your grade 10 education, exactly. you're off to some, somewhere else now, yep. aren't you? Um, Costa Rica next. <laughs> yeah, school called UWC, United Worlds College, which is, so in Costa Rica, yeah, it focuses on environment, the environment and conservation too. Very cool. So we should probably get right into this program here. So, yeah. Um, Again, for another bit of background, I had this idea that Nina was going to have to produce a podcast as part of her internship. It's kind of the main work and the main output, which I think is pretty cool output, actually, myself. But of course I would, because I'm the host of the program. <laughs> but uh, I didn't necessarily have a specific idea for you. Yeah, so I was kind of pushing you to pick your own central theme for the podcast. Yeah. So why don't you tell everybody what they're about to hear? Yeah, when you drop that bombshell, I do think of my own topic too. Um, I was completely, I completely kind of panicked in the beginning. I didn't know at all because there's so many things I would have liked to talk about and so many interesting people that could have talked about their topics for the whole podcast, for the whole interview too. And these people come from all over the world too. We've got the States, Chile, Puerto Rico, Hungary, and Japan, of course. But um, then I thought about what the reason is why I'm actually here. And that is to find out what I really like, what I want to do. So find out my passion. And as I thought, people working here, they would all have an amazing, great individual passion already. And so why don't I use, ask, use like several people and try and find out what it is that drives them and how they found it. And just some advice for me, for anyone looking for their passion still. Very cool. So can you give us kind of the flow, the structure of this podcast? Right. So... Um, we interviewed eight people and in the beginning they're just going to talk about we're going to introduce them first and they're going to talk about what their passion actually is mm-hmm. which will be very diverse and very interesting <laughs> and then in the second part we'll go they'll explain how they got there how they found this passion which 
is pretty interesting too. And then the third part is the advice part. So that, so anyone who is looking for the passion, I think that's pretty interesting, that part, especially. Okay. And, and Sophie, just coming to you for a second here, um, I want to thank you for helping Nina with all of these interviews and the logistics and so obviously much, supporting yes. her. But so for you, what was it like um, working with Nina here and doing these interviews? Oh, it was so great. Yeah, very inspirational. I just think that to be this age and to have this opportunity and she's the one who found it, who like actively went and pursued that. And it's just, it's so nice to see. And I'm so happy that I could be involved. It was great. Awesome. Okay, so you want to get us started here? Okay, yes. So we'll get right in and start with our first person, Lisbeth Frias. I came here to study primate um, parasite dynamics in the wildlife. So you'd say that is your passion too? That's a tricky question. <laughs> I mean, passions uh, change all the time. That's, yeah. that's a good thing. But yeah, for now, yeah. it's my passion. Yeah, and so I remember when Liz first contacted me by email with expressing her interest to come here and uh, speaking of changing passions, at the time she had just finished her master's degree or was finishing her master's degree where she studied mummies. You don't hear that every day. (laughs) You don't hear that every day. Um, So I was immediately really interested and also surprised at why somebody studying mummies would be contacting (laughs) me. But what I found out was that she was um, really interested in studying parasites of mummies Mm -hmm. and using ancient DNA it's kind of a hot topic these days to see if she could identify, you know, whether um, parasites were transmitted between humans and other animals um, in ancient times. So it was really cool. So that's how she came here first. Yeah, exactly. So she wanted to kind of, I guess, get a little more up to date perhaps <laughs> by studying <laughs> things that are living now <laughs> and how their lives intersect with parasites as well. Yeah, it's interesting to see how her main interest kind of evolved her passions. Yeah, exactly. So parts of passions might change, but parts, you still may have common threads running through them. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we've all experienced that kind of changing of passions or motivations or interests. Oh, definitely. For 15 years, I wanted to be in an orchestra and I played cello. And then all of a sudden I just realized, nope, I'm more interested in science. I'm just going to change <laughs> paths completely. <laughs> well, I've said, had some minor changes. So I wanted to be a midwife or a football player for a little bit. A football player? Yes. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Are you talking American soccer, or soccer. a soccer player? English football, yeah. Yeah? I was pretty interested in that too. But now I'm here. <laughs> Still figuring it out though, yes. Cool. Wow. Pretty cool though, a soccer, a soccer playing midwife. <laughs> <laughs> with a passion, Lots of scientists with too. With a passion for, yeah, science, yeah. Exactly. conservation and animals. Do them all. <laughs> nice mix, nice mix. Well, I'm sure you'll uh, find a few more changes along the way as well. I'm sure I will. <laughs> and um, what was really interesting too was that some students talked about their current passions while others were a lot more general. So here's another student talking about his very specific passion here is um, Josue Alejandro. My passion is uh, right now at this moment as a graduate student is to try to um, improve animal welfare in captive animals, especially wild animals, whether it be zoos or in laboratories or any sanctuary, like any captive setting to me is anything I can do to improve their welfare, their well-being to me is my current passion. So earlier we talked about passions changing but Josue has actually been interested in animal welfare for quite some time. And he used to work in a veterinary clinic. Um, but he said he was sick and tired of old ladies complaining why their cats were so fat when 
obviously they were being overfed. <laughs> um, I hope he doesn't have to deal with that so often. <laughs> yeah. So now, yeah, his passion changed to primates. Right. <laughs> and then, of course, the you know the welfare of animals is something that's very important to people here at PRI since right. we we house a lot of primates, over a thousand um, different individuals. Um, and since we're all here studying the natural world as well, uh, making sure that we're cautious and, and respectful and protect animals, whether they live in captivity or in the wild. And so in the, the next clip you're going to hear, we uh, interviewed Dr. Fred Berkovich, who's a professor here at PRI. And so he jumps from captive settings to talk about how his passion is really about conserving nature. And then the more I studied animals, the more I became concerned about where animals are living and how they're disappearing. And so that kind of morphed into an interest in conservation, which now my real push and real passion is to do what I can to preserve and conserve ecosystems and wildlife because my days are passing, time goes fast. So I want to have a situation where your children's children's children can still go out to someplace where they don't hear airplanes, where they can actually listen to animals, where they can smell animals, where there's no internet, which is nearly impossible nowadays, but there are still places you can go to and you can just completely ignore most of the trappings of civilization. And I'd like the planet to still have that. Okay, so I'm gonna preface this by saying, well, I'm not that old. I still do remember a time in my own life when we didn't have um, all this technology that kind of dominated our lives. And it was quite easy to get away to those kind of places. And especially as a kid growing up in, in a city, but in Canada where you know, I think Canadians are pretty good about putting things away for a while and getting out on the weekends to the cabin, to the lake, mm -hmm. to the forest. Um, it's something that was really important for me in, you know, growing up camping, that kind of stuff. So I can definitely see where Fred's coming from here. But Nina, I pose a question to you as a high school student in the modern world. Yes. Have you seen such a place? Do you think that? I'm always looking for those places because I'm so interested and I love those places. But I think high school students nowadays, they don't, they mostly don't look for them. They're so into their technological, like living in the cities too. And, but I also think technology can be used to um, help nature actually. And this is what our next student is going to talk about too. Yeah, it's a bit complicated to mm. explain it in, in like one clear, <laughs> like one word. I think my passion is about filmmaking with, with a special purpose, like to, to trigger a reaction among the audience. So films for filmmaking for special audiences. So that was Cynthia Garay, and she, before coming to Japan, was a filmmaker, and she has a lot of experience with conservation. She's traveled the world, but one day she decided, you know what, I want to give back as much as I can. I'm going to pursue an advanced degree. So we can already see that the students here are very diverse, and the thing that connects everyone, though, is that they're very curious, and they want to know how things work and discover new things. And so the next student now um, has a very peculiar curiosity too. Now I'm working with Japanese monkeys with their sweet taste sensitivity. Yes, and why I'm working about it, it is because I love sweet things very much, <laughs> very, very much. So that's my passion because uh, I really love sweet things, but yeah. I don't know why do we feel sweet. Emiko Nishi is our resident baker. 
I've tried so many of her sweets. They're incredible. She's always bringing them to parties and meetings and just, oh, I tried a new recipe today. You want to try this amazing cookie? <laughs> I can understand that passion. I love sweet things. And actually, I'm craving chocolate right now. Um, <laughs> should we take a break? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, and just to go back and clarify a little bit. So um, Emmy's point there, if, if anybody didn't get it, is she's really interested in how we recognize sweet taste and um, sweet flavor, for example. And she's studying that in primates. Um, and it, it's something that we don't often think about. But, you know, humans have five different tastes only, right? We have sweet, uh, we have salty, we have bitter, uh, we have sour. And then the newest one is umami, so kind of meat, meat-like taste. And why do we only have those five tastes? You know, it's something that's very important from evolutionary perspective. You know, we recognize those things because those are the things that are important to us in terms of what we eat. And so sweet taste gives us an idea that something sugary is out there, um, like fruits, for example, usually um, can be quite sweet. So we know that there's something good that we need, our body needs. <laughs> so. And I'm also craving chocolate right now. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. So that's Emiko's special passion. But there are some people who are just very passionate in general, too. And one such a person is Dr. Michael Huffman, and we'll listen to him now. I am passionate about everything in my life, everything I do. I've always been very easy to fall in love with a place or to really like people very quickly. And I just like to pursue those likes. So that's one passion. Um, my passion for primates started very, very early with just a general passion, a love for nature and for animals. Um, the earliest memories of my earliest friends were the other, were my furry brothers and sisters in my household when I grew up. The first, the first playmates I think were mm -hmm. a dog and a cat and we always had multiple dogs and multiple cats in the house and fish and we kept snakes and birds that fell out of their nests just anything alive that was around we we were very interested in um, and as far as primates which is something I've always been very interested in but not just because they're cute and cuddly but I don't know just something something from very early on in my life, a, a connection. And that was probably started before I even remembered that connection was my mother reading me stories from the book Curious George. What I liked the most about it was the very opening where the man in the yellow hat has this hat out on the forest floor and there's a chimp up in the trees as a picture I still remember. Um, and when I, I told my mother, I, I'd ask her to read me this story every night, every night, every night. And I had forgotten about it. I, I remember having a stuffed chimpanzee doll and chewing on its ear when I was teething. It's that early of a memory. Um, but my mother would read, I'd ask her to read me this story. And she said, 19 years after the fact, when I first went to Tanzania in 1985, she said that when you were three, you told me, when you grow up, you're going to Africa and live with chimpanzees. You finally did it. And I go, wow. I had forgotten that I had said that. Um, but from like junior high school, I was Monkey Mike. Everyone called me Monkey Mike. And all my, my school portfolios, we called them peaches back in those days. They were just 
paper folders and you put all your homework in it. Mm -hmm. They always had monkey pictures on it. I was drawing monkey pictures on it. So you knew very early on already. Before I even knew, yeah, I knew. Yeah. I knew. But for some people, they didn't know that before they knew that they knew that they knew. Why would you? <laughs> <laughs> knew? Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> he seemed to know a lot of things before he could know a lot of things too. Um, but. But it's really evident, I think, you probably experienced that as well, Nina, when you were talking with him, that he's quite a, a, a people person. He is, he is. He's very open, and I think he's kind to almost everyone, actually. And he treats everyone the same. And that's what he said, too, that you shouldn't be afraid to approach people and just write them, and like how I wrote you, Andrew, and how I came here. Yeah. <laughs> how that worked out. It um, did. You, as you said, you know, you didn't expect anything out of that, but you yeah. sent out the email anyways. Never hurts to try. <laughs> yeah, totally. And uh, so Mike was my, my graduate advisor, my PhD advisor here at PRI. And um, that's definitely one of the things that I will come away with or that I did come away with was, you know, how important it is to, you know, just, just forget about it and interact with people because, you know, so much good comes out of it. And you know what, maybe a little bad comes out of it too, but that's, that's to be expected. And I think the, the benefits far outweigh the costs. Um, yeah, so that was cool. And, and just to make a special notice of, uh, about Mike here is that, a lot of the things he said in this interview, he also has in an essay that he recently wrote um, for a book called Primate Ethnographies, published, um, edited by Karen Stryer. And the title of his essay is Learning to Become a Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> so recommend everyone go check that out. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And wasn't he the first North American tenured professor? Yeah, right. I think so. His passions in that respect definitely paid off with his persistence. Mm -hmm. And Yeah. So realizing your passion isn't always easy. And it takes some time sometimes. So um, the next segment, we asked people how they got there and how they actually found their passions. Yeah, we wanted to know how you can go from telling old ladies in Puerto Rico not to overfeed their cats to setting macaques <laughs> in Japan. <laughs> so that's what Mike will talk about now. Um, yeah, back to Mike. For the next 12 months, I lived on the mountain four days a week. And two days a week, I was down teaching English to support myself. But, so I, it wasn't George, it wasn't a chimp, but I was living with monkeys in a forest and it was in Japan and everything was beginning to make sense. Professor Itani was one of the earliest pioneers for doing chimpanzee work in Africa. So I go, ah, this is why I came to Japan. So Mike eventually did get to study George, but for Natsumi Aruga, very early in her career, she had the chance to travel all the way to Africa to see George in the wild. When I was in elementary school, I, w I, w I was really interested in chimpanzees from, from that kids oh, wow. to now. Yeah. So that is my passion. I love chimpanzee. So little known fact, my sister actually doesn't like chimpanzees very much. Thinks they're very terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so Nina, um, probably this, this trip at, to PRI, your internship here, was the first time you really got to get up close and personal with a chimp, maybe in the experimental um, arena here where they do the uh, psychology testing and things. So what, what's your impression? Um, well, it was definitely the first time I got to see them so close. And it's amazing when they look at you and you see so much wisdom and so much kindness right there. And they look so similar to us humans too, which is kind of, I think, part of the reason why we're so fascinated with them. And I think... 96% of our DNA is the same. And uh, I actually saw one that looked a lot like my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be terrifying. Yeah, it was a surprise. Um, 
but yeah it was a really good experience yeah mm. cool so yeah and so but natsumi is not only um interested in the chimpanzee she's also interested in educating other people about chimpanzees and the natural world yeah for some of these people their passions are just so intense and they want to share all of it with everybody and she just like fred and cynthia want to give back they feel the sense of responsibility i study these animals i want to contribute to their well-being and keep them in the wild so and so part of yeah. her field work is actually um working with the kids in the local village um, which is very near where the chimpanzees uh, live as well and just trying to educate them a little bit and get them really passionate as well um, to share her passion i guess uh, about chimpanzees in the natural mm -hmm. world to ultimately to conserve them so she kind of knew her passion very early on and followed that and followed that path but for some people they just stumble upon it um and this is what happened to fred too um, people who are looking for something won't find it it just strikes you. What happens is the more experiences you have, the more things you do, the more you're exposed to, whether it's food or places or people, mm -hmm. the more something just clicks. And so for whatever reason for me, um, animals clicked. So I always wanted to study animals. Then from wanting to study animals, I wanted to become Tarzan. My goal <laughs> in life was to become Tarzan. There was no two ways about it. I saw every Tarzan movie. Um, there are 24 volumes of Tarzan. I read them all multiple times. Um, and so I've been able to live my dream because I was able to be Tarzan and live with the animals and go see the animals and just became infatuated with animals. Then, so basically the, uh, the idea is I just liked animals. I just wanted to be an animal and be with animals. And then what happened as I grew up and learned more about the facts of life was I became fascinated with sex which was the most unbelievable thing that's ever evolved. Now, I know what everybody's probably thinking, but let's not forget that Fred is an evolutionary biologist. And in that respect, sex itself is such an important phenomenon that means so much um, to the evolution of species. I really like the part where he said that he wanted to be, become Tarzan too, though. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't quite get there. But, but, but how about you guys, Sophie? What, who did you want to be? Oh, I wanted to be a member of the Swiss family Robinson so badly. <laughs> oh, live in a treehouse. Riding an ostrich. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the dream. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I had a long stretch of my life where I wanted to be Indiana Jones. Oh, oh yeah. Which is also pretty cool. And I, I don't know. And then I think Jurassic Park came out in uh, 94 when I was still a teenager. <laughs> and I wanted to be Alan Grant. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to be the experts that they call when, mm. <laughs> when we have dinosaurs roaming the earth. How about you, Nina? Um, the only thing I can still think about is chocolate. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still stuck there. <laughs> I'm not sure being a piece of, you know, bar of chocolate yeah, would be I as yeah. rewarding. I want to eat it. I don't yeah. want to be eaten. <laughs> okay. But I guess some kind of animal too. Just Or just an animal just change from... An oh, eagle yeah. to a monkey to a tiger oh, to a tiny bug. You guys are probably both way too young for this, but Manimal. Fantastic TV series from the 80, okay. 80s. A guy who like fights crime by changing into different animals. He could be a panther. He could be an eagle oh, or awesome. a hawk. I think there was something else. I can't remember. I Manimal. do remember reading the, the books, The Animorphs, Animal, when, I went, yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah, I'd like to be able to do that. Yeah. yeah. If you could be any animal, what would it be? Tiger. 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 Oh, I don't know. Maybe a hawk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I want to fly. Busy. Yeah. I, I don't need to change to an animal. I just want a prehensile tail. So once we start, <laughs> <laughs> once we start getting augmented humans to that kind of level, yeah. I'm going to be in seventh heaven. So. So we've been 
talking about all this time is these people's passion and their path of finding it. But the intention of this podcast is to actually um, to give advice to other people looking for their passions too, like me. So in the next part, um, we ask these people to give one piece of advice to people searching for their passion. And so here's Mike. It's probably there and you don't realize it. But don't be afraid to have a lot of dreams, but never give up on a dream. Mm -hmm. Just because it doesn't happen in, in one day or in a week or in a month. Sometimes dreams take years before they actually happen, but a dream will only come true if you keep at it until it comes true. All right, Sophie, so according to Mike, you don't have to give up on your dreams of being a famous concert cellist. All right, I can have several big dreams. There's hope for me yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to give up thinking I'm going to become a rock star in Japan any day. <laughs> so, yeah, it's important to have several big dreams, but it's also important not to pressure yourself too much of not thinking, oh, I have to find a passion and just stretching out, stretching out about that and um, spending all your time thinking about that then. And this also connects to what Fred says. I'll actually give two. One is don't rush it, and the second is don't look for it. It's like looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse. If you go out and you set out and you try to find it, it's not going to happen. Football players don't set out to, to actually make records, nor do baseball players. Professional sports people usually have a passion for sports, and they don't start out saying, I'm going to break the world record. Zion Bolt didn't grow up as a kid one day and say, I'm going to become the world's fastest runner on the entire planet. He developed a passion for running. He practiced running. He's the fastest guy on the earth now. Um, and I'm sure he likes doing what he's doing. And it's obvious when you see him win a race and run. But winning the Olympics and holding the world record to him, I'm sure, was not a goal to begin with. So the answer to your question is don't look for it. It'll happen. And be patient. So the important point here is that you have to give yourself all those different opportunities. Yeah, to realize your dreams and passions. And, and Nina, so... You're still young and still in the first year of high school, but at the same time, you've already had probably you know more experiences, um, you know, in terms of travel and things that you've been doing than than almost anybody of your age or situation. So mm -hmm. that's something that must be important to you. That's shaped me a lot. That's made me who I am now, and just broadened my horizon and re made me realize that there's so much more actually, and so many opportunities, and I shouldn't just focus on one but just let everything just open myself be open to everything and meet all those new people and new cultures and it was pretty good yeah. also coming here was a good decision well yeah i'm certainly uh, i'm certainly uh, very happy that that managed to work out and it's been great having you here and we hope you know at the primate cast but yeah. also at pri <laughs> that you know this was kind of one of those um, unique and hopefully important stepping stones it definitely on your was own path. yes and it showed me how important it was to have a passion and to have that drive and to meet these people. And now it makes me, yeah, I want to have that too. I want to have find my drive and my passion too. Yeah, and it's like you said, it's so important to have this drive. And it, sometimes things just don't work out. But when you try all these different opportunities, you have to kind of push it. And that's the advice that Josue gives us next. I would say give it a chance, and if not, give it one or two more tries in your life, and I think that'll make you a better person. I think it'll just give you a bigger picture on life. 
So it's like a big, big buffet or something. Yes, try yes, a bit of everything exactly, exactly. I mean, once in a while, eating your the big plate of the food you know you like is great, but sometimes a buffet exactly is perfect just for that. You might try something you haven't tried before. For example, I'm, I don't like olives, mm -hmm. but every year I, I try to eat an olive once. <laughs> Maybe one year I will really find one type of olive that is actually delicious. There's many types to say that they all taste the same, but I'm looking for that olive. As I am still looking for my chocolate too. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost done here, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, kind of a quirky guy, that Josue. <laughs> um, I think a lot of us are still looking for those olives. Uh, mm. I myself, I'm not a huge fan, but I'll keep trying based on his <laughs> advice. And uh, so that's a little bit metaphorical, but in the next clip, Liz is going to actually reiterate some of the same ideas that Josue just mentioned, but in this case, she'll use something a little bit more specific at what really matters to her. I would say don't, don't discard things just because you don't understand them in the very first moment. And that's something that in my case happened in school with subjects like math or physics, oh, yeah. that you sometimes don't quite understand that. And you say, oh, okay, it's not for me. I'm never going to use this. For me, everything hap happens kind of in, a, in, in the right time. So I, I remember that in, in high school, I was terrible in math. And I didn't want to know anything about that. Yeah. But with time, I've seen that it's super helpful. And now I love math. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to understand it and study. And so don't take the first impression that seriously, I would say. Okay, Nina, so what things have you discarded? Maths and physics too. <laughs> Math and physics Definitely. Too. Um, I, think, I think it's the same thing with meeting new people too, though. But I just kind of, just, ah, no, I don't want to get to know them. Or just, you know, discarded them in the very first moment. And then I kind of got to know them, though, and they were really interesting. And they inspired me sometimes too. And yeah, I think, a lo I think humans just do that. It's take the first impression and just think that's how it is. Mm -hmm. But also, I mean... There is a very strong tendency to give up when you encounter something that's really yeah. challenging. So yeah. I think it's a really natural response to it. And then other people just get something challenging and challenge it as well. <laughs> Push past those obstacles and then they actually get somewhere too. Mm -hmm. And I think we should use... So Liz is... I really liked her example here because she talks specifically about math and, and uh, physics. And I think it's important in the last few years, um, feminism in science is becoming really important. And this idea of equality of, well, for, there are just too few women, for example, in science, in the STEM uh, areas. So science, technology, engineering, math, it's kind of thing. And it, it really isn't about what we're capable of doing. But I think that there's just this impression going around where um, you women somehow are less capable or less likely to get into those areas when it really shouldn't be that way. And we really want to encourage um, everybody you know, we need more people in science in general. We need more people to think that way. Um, and so I, I really like what Liz had to say about that. I mean, it really starts in school, too, with, like she said, with math and physics and um, science by itself, too, that girls just think, oh, no, it's not, it's not for me. I'm mm -hmm. not meant to do, be doing this. Although that's so wrong. And, yeah. Yeah, we need to get rid of that stereotype. Yeah, we should get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. Just completely get rid of it. So now you know our official stance at the primate cast. <laughs> and, you know, there have been scientific studies that show that this, this doesn't really exist. You know, young no. women are not any less capable of learning those topics than, than yeah. guys. So. so people like Liz are the first ones pushing to 
get rid of that prejudice. I wouldn't say the first, but definitely we need more people like yes, yes, like yes. her and to, and to come back and really challenge it too. Mm. So we've been hearing a lot about people that are really passionate and have been so motivated and driven to look for their goals and to pursue their dreams. But what about the people that really aren't that passionate and just haven't really found what their big dreams are? What can get in the way? What interferes? I know many people who don't have passion, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. And I was thinking what could be the reason. I, I think that maybe... Maybe one of the, the main reasons could be that they get distracted in life by like, social pressure and social uh, norms, I think, that you have to get a certain financial situation by a certain age, or you have to, to get a status or family by a certain age, and they just get distracted from what they really want. Maybe they don't pay attention to it, and I think my advice would be to, to listen to them inner like feelings voice that inner voice nina i bet i can predict what your inner <laughs> voice is telling you right now chocolate chocolate <laughs> that's, that's it yes <laughs> <laughs> um our next person um masayo nomoto um is very interesting too though because she came to pri to look for her passion too as the things she's been trying till now um she wasn't really passionate about them so she wants to she changed her ways and she wants to keep looking for it and so she talks about a few things more things that could interfere find a good friend or find a good place to express yourself really because sometimes in school in company in a working place or in some community we couldn't talk freely that caused me to take longer years to turn back to my passion but still always I couldn't just give up on it and I just kept it in my mind. I think what happens is that a lot of people suppress that kind of inner voice that kind of what they actually really want to do um, but yeah Masayo knew that this wasn't it there was more to it um, and so she stepped out changed pathways and is looking again searching yeah, it's it's so inspirational. It is. It's yeah, really we wish her the best of luck for sure. Yeah, we're gonna hear from one more student, and she's gonna give us a really important last little bit of wisdom. So here's Emiko. Some people say that your hobby and your work is different, mm -hmm. so be, make separate them. And so when you're working, be concentrate work, and you have you'll be in break time. You can play with your uh, hobby and other things, but um, I don't think so. So you need motivate to uh, motivate to do your work. So there's a Chinese proverb that I really like to uh, live by, and it says that if you find what you love and make it your work, you will never work a day in your life. And I think I've definitely found that. Yeah, yeah I think a lot of people here have, including mm -hmm. myself. And it, you often hear um, in, in other circles that you can either work to live or live to work. And I think, I think it's an unnecessary dichotomy because I don't think if you say that you live to work necessarily takes away from your you know, other personal life as well. Because I think the best case scenario is that both parts of, those, of your life are awesome. So that's what we always go for here. And so, Nina, this brings us to the end of your podcast. Yes. So what do you think of the experience? It's been 
very very interesting and i've learned a lot and this has been i feel really fancy with these nice microphones <laughs> and <laughs> these nice gadgets and um it's a lot more work than i thought it would be it always sounds so easy and simple and short when you listen to it it's actually a lot of work behind it so <laughs> everyone better appreciate this <laughs> <laughs> ending with a threat yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean I, I imagine that you know the, the opportunity to speak to people in this type of way yeah. is quite different and yeah. you know we hope that you learned a lot of that experience I wouldn't and... have had the chance mm-hmm. otherwise mm-hmm. and only here to talk to all these and so many interesting people mm-hmm. I think we had eight different people mm-hmm. and uh, just talking to them even I mean we had to keep the sad we had to keep their interviews very I mean, on the podcast, very short, but just we talked to them for a long time before that and after that too, mm. and about their lives and about just their whole paths, and it's so interesting and so inspiring. Yeah, we should apologize. So for any segments yeah. of people's interviews that didn't make it to the show, it's not mm. necessarily because would have loved to yeah. make it really long, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And and so more generally, then uh, primate cast aside, um, how were your ten days here at PRI? Very diverse. Um, thanks to you, you organized it in a way that I think almost every day I was doing different stuff, some desk works, a lot of field work, um, a day with the vets, a day at the monkey center. So, so many different, different things. And I have a lot to think about. <laughs> it's, and it's definitely, it is definitely been a stepping stone. Um, and I think I have, it has set the first sparks or the first seeds for my passion. So I definitely feel something, yeah, Good. has changed. Oh, that's Good. wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I know you never asked me, but if I could just impart my little bit of advice and passion mm, yes, uh, upon yes. you at the end of this podcast here, <laughs> it's three words, never stop learning. Mm. And so Nina, I'll leave it to you to close out here. Any final thoughts for our audience? Well, may everyone find their olive. You have been listening to The Primate Cast, a podcast series dedicated to the study and conservation of primates around the world. Brought to you by the Centre for International Collaboration and Advanced Studies in Primatology of the Primate Research Institute of Kyoto University. Visit us online at www.cicasp.pri.kyoto hyphen u.ac.jp forward slash news forward slash podcasts and follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash the primate cast and on Twitter at the primate cast.